I'm Kate Wheeler, and I am in studio with Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by the Hill Street Challenge. Think you have what it takes to go alcohol-free for 30 days? If so, your body will thank you. Visit hillstreetchallenge.com to learn why. And cheers to a better you. Well, we all have them. Those people who crossed our path and changed the trajectory of our lives. Supporters, mentors, advocates who have played an important role in our lives or in the life of someone we know or the community more broadly, in one way or another. But they're often the unsung heroes. Locallove.ca, United Way's digital magazine that is quickly becoming the GTA's top source for living well and doing good, has featured a lot of folks who've played important roles in the community. And we're kicking off today's show talking to Adrian Clark, Locallove.ca's editor-in-chief, who's going to tell us why these features are so important and even inspire us with a couple of stories of these unsung heroes. Now, every year on September 11th, we mark the date, we hear the names, but what many, most maybe, don't realize is that almost 18 years later, the case against five men accused of masterminding the terrorist attacks lingers on. We'll be talking to Hans Gerhardt, whose son Ralph was killed. Hans and his son Stefan were recently invited to Guantanamo Bay. He'll tell us why he was there and what justice truly means to him. Canadian mompreneurs and authors Megan Hadwin and Nikki Sinjarik are the women behind the Other Life Lessons Children's book series. They're going to tell us why they thought it was important to tackle difficult themes of entitlement, grief, and why mommy works. <laughs> why mommy works. I, I remember I remember my children on the weekends when I was anchoring on the weekends. They'd, be, they'd literally be hanging at my skirt tails as I was going, where are you going? Where are you going? It's like, I'm going to work. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, closing out the show in our live studio sessions today, we have Toronto pop singer-songwriter Kiara Young performing her latest single, Fallout. Now, be sure to give us a follow on social media. You can find all the links on whatshesaidtalk.com, as well as our Apple podcast, where you can listen to past shows for free. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Locallove.ca, United Way's digital magazine, is quickly becoming the GTA's top source for living well and doing good. It's featured a lot of people who have played important roles in the community, some who we often don't know, the unsung heroes, as it were. Well, today we have Adrian Clark, Locallove.ca's editor-in-chief here, to tell us why these features are so important and 
you're even going to inspire us with a couple of stories of these unsung heroes, aren't you? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> we too. find them very inspiring. So why was it important for you to feature unsung heroes in the magazine? I, uh, You know, we had a great conversation with our editorial team about when we feature folks who are doing these great things in the community, how we sort of lament the fact that we can't put them on the cover of Vanity Fair or People magazine, because to us, and I think to anyone who reads their stories, they really are celebrities. I mean, they're really making a difference. They're changing the world one sort of life at a time. And we felt like we needed to be able to give those people the profile they deserve. And we sort of were lamenting that we couldn't put them on these other magazines. And we thought, wait a second, (laughs) we can feature them. What a great we idea. We have a digital magazine. We, we have a magazine. Uh, let's do something about it. So we did. And we started a series on unsung heroes, people who are maybe not doing anything that you would sort of say to yourself, my gosh, that's so complicated, it's so big, it's so massive, but it's important work and it's it's heartfelt work that's making a difference. So we wanted to feature them. So in this era of celebrities who are famous for pretty much no reason, like the Kardashians or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you find that, what has the reaction been? Well, we've actually had an amazing reaction so far. I think that people are craving meaningful stories, stories that are uplifting, maybe stories that aren't as empty as some of the stories we hear about folks like the Kardashians and others, where they want something that is right here from close to home, um, something that isn't about maybe the nasty news of the day. And Local Love has been popular for that. And I think now that we are doing these profiles about people right in your own neighborhood who are making a difference, people have really responded to that. And I've got two great stories I wanted to share with you guys today. Well, what about somebody who may have inspired you? Oh, well, I tell you, uh, when we started talking about this and we were talking about people in our own lives who've made an impact, for me, the story that always comes up is um, when I had my my kids, we had midwives and that was important to my husband and I. They acted as great advocates and supporters. You know, when you're going through the process of having a baby, you're not always thinking rationally or making great decisions in the moment. And so your midwife's always there to help you. And she's also there after the fact. And for For us, um, a really important thing that happened was that our three-week-old second son uh, was not acting himself, and we're sort of wondering, I wonder what that is, but in my very sleep-deprived mother's mind, nothing was really going off for me, no red flags going off, but my midwife came by, as they do after you've had a baby, and uh, she said, I think something is very wrong. This is not a baby doing what I would expect a baby to do at three weeks old. So she asked us to go to the hospital immediately which we did, and it turned out my son had um, contracted meningitis. And the doctor had said if our midwife had not sent us when she did, he might we might have been in a very different scenario than we were, which was a very long hospital stay and a very long recovery. But it was because of her that we have our son with us today. So for me, that was a really perfect example of someone who had done something that is remarkable by being with you during that really important time in your life, but that she had this beyond what we would have expected profound impact in our lives. And, and she had a great instinct. She did. did and she so ever. where is she today? Today, she is still a midwife. She was a midwife with both our kids. And she, I know, is making a huge difference in the lives of so many other women who are having babies in the GTA. Well, is that, and that 
there there's another woman that yes. is this that, that sort of connects with that story exactly is she a midwife or she's offering a different no kind of service? she's a different kind of service so we featured Jillian Cullen and I really responded to the story because of my own experience Jillian is a doula and doulas are also there during the birthing process they're there for a whole bunch of emotional and physical support mm-hmm. and um, Jillian herself has three children and when she had her kids she didn't have a really supportive partner and she realized how isolating it can be when you have children on your own and she wanted to be able to provide that caring loving support that mm-hmm. you need during the during uh, the time that you're having children when you're pregnant at the point of birth and then afterwards and so she became a doula she clocked in about a hundred hours doing this doula work and she realized I can do this for women who might not have a network of support around them like mothers or friends or other um, uh, other mothers like her and so she opened her own social enterprise called Birthmark and Birthmark provides um, free doula services and birth information and education and she does that primarily for low-income women and she's been doing this for some time now and has made a huge difference for women and she has 15 doulas working for her now and in fact one of those doulas is godmother to one of the babies that she helped bring into the world. Aww. So it just gives you a sense, right, of yeah. like what a connection oh. they have with women. Yeah. Now, you also featured a- another extraordinary woman recently, um, mm-hmm. a- Aiko Ito? Aiko Ito, yes. Mm-hmm. She's a housing advocate. She is a housing advocate. And her specialty, she works for Dixon Hall Neighborhood Services. That's a United Way agency. And um, there she works primarily with um, seniors who are at risk. So these are seniors living on low income. They often have cognitive or physical disabilities, mental health or addiction issues. And she's helping them stay safely housed. And it's a big, that's a big job. It's a huge job. Let me tell you, uh, with right. even, you know, say my family, it's like upper middle class, we're having troubles. So I can't imagine what yeah. people without those connections and without, you know, um, you know, a forceful spirit behind them, right. uh, what they can do to get help. That's exactly right. And people don't know where to turn. And seniors often, I don't know if you've had this experience, but seniors can sometimes turn into themselves, not reach mm-hmm. out for the help. They can become very isolated, either because of a physical disability. It can be sometimes be a language barrier. So one story that really stood out for me of the work that Ico has done is, in fact, a, the, a landlord reached out to her to say that he'd had to evict a senior senior who hadn't paid his rent in some time. And he reached out to her because he knew that she spoke Japanese. And he also knew that this senior only spoke Japanese. Uh, so Aiko actually, she scoured the city to find this man, found him in a shelter, and discovered in conversation with him that he in fact had Alzheimer's. And he didn't know that he hadn't paid his rent. He had no sense of what had happened or why he was where he was. And so she was able to get him out of the shelter into some um, more supportive housing and eventually got him into long-term care that provided the support that he needed as a senior with Alzheimer's. Oh, that's great. But she took the trouble to go and find him. Isn't when that remarkable? A, when there are a gazillion people screaming for help. So many. Now, I'm, I'm going to guess that there are people listening to this um, that hopefully are being inspired. They may be thinking that they'd like to make a difference. How, how can people help? How can they become a mentor? 
Well, that mentor is the perfect word. So sometimes I think we think it has to be this complicated thing that you do that you need some special skill like being a housing advocate or a doula, but not in fact the case. You can be a mentor quite easily. And there's a great organization right here in York Region, um, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. It'll be familiar to many. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. All you need to do is have a good heart, a sense of I want to be a role model for a young person who might not otherwise have that in their lives. And all you need to do is be committed to say that you'll do this thing and you'll um, you'll do it when you say you will, and so that's pretty uh, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy, not maybe easy, but it's it's something everyone can do. Now, what if some of our listeners know someone in the community who is an unsung hero? Is this so that you want to hear from them? We want to hear from them. Anybody and everybody, please tell us who you know about because they are unsung heroes. They can be hard to find and uncover. So you tell us where they are. Um, all you need to do is. Uh, Drop me an email at locallove at uwgt.org and put in the subject line Unsung Heroes, and we may feature them on the pages of Local Love. Wow. Now, can it be something small? Is there a criteria that needs to be met? It can be absolutely small. So if you have someone who you know just cares for maybe a senior neighbor by dropping off some food and going for a couple of visits, for example, it can be that. Right to, let's say you have a really inspiring person in your community who's arranging community events and bringing people together to make your neighborhood a better place. We want to hear about them too. So everything from that neighbor next door through to maybe a community activator. And this can be anywhere across, uh, across anywhere Ontario. across the GTA, across Ontario. The GTA. Even we we're happy to hear about them. Well, that's great. I think a lot of people will uh, that will resonate mm-hmm. with uh, because. You know, we do kind of get tired of people who are constantly in the spotlight who we don't maybe think have done anything that remarkable. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of wonderful people who do wonderful things and nobody ever knows about it. Like, there are always these stories about crossing guards and then I get tears in my eyes. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That, that the exactly. kids go to for advice and when yeah. they're having a bad day. and anyway. Exactly. So right. we can make them celebrities. Okay. Yeah. So again, that email is locallove at uwgt, that's United Way Greater Toronto, dot org. Thank you very much, Adrian. Thanks for having me, ladies. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, less tired, greater focus. There is one downside, however. Oops. Higher furniture costs. Take the Hill Street Challenge and see what you can break. Learn more at HillStreetChallenge.com. Cheers to a better you. Meridian's three-year Escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. 
She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. In Toronto, the name Hans Gerhardt is synonymous with excellence in the hotel industry. Born in Germany, arriving in Canada in 1965, Hans started working in the biz as a waiter at the historic Walker House Hotel. He went on to open the Hyatt Regency, then to the Sheraton Centre, and became president of the Sutton Place, which was, without a doubt, the spot for visiting celebrities. Well, that life of glamour amid the rich and famous changed forever on September 11th, 2001, when Hans and Helga Gerhardt's son, Ralph was killed. Ralph was 34, working in New York for Cantor Fitzgerald. He called you that morning, Hans, as he did almost every day. What did he say? Well, uh, he said uh, he was looking southwest towards the Statue of Liberty from the 105th floor, and he didn't see the plane coming in. You know, so he said he called me, and unfortunately, I picked up the phone, and he said, "Dad, something happened at the um, at the World Trade Center." We either got hit by a plane or by a bomb. And uh, I'm okay. We're okay. We're evacuating. And you could hear the turmoil mm-hmm. in the background. And he was six foot two in good shape. And, you know, and I had been in the building many times, an acre per floor. And um, so I saw a little Cessna hit the building. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, uh, wish you good luck, you know, and call us as soon as you can. And that was the last conversation we had. And so I turned on the television, and CNN had almost instantly, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, coverage. And I watched for a moment, and I saw the second plane coming in. And I thought it was a replay, instant replay in there, and then I realized it wasn't. So then I called our good friend Ken Shaw, or Mm -hmm. at least the news uh, line, and... um, and to see if they had any information coming in. And uh, they didn't. They had just the feed coming in from the U.S. stations mm. in there. Well, every year we mark the date. We hear the names. But what many, most maybe, don't realize is that almost 18 years later, the case against the five men accused of masterminding the terrorist attacks lingers on. Now, you and your son, Stefan, attended recently. Tell us why you were there. And. Um, our son Stefan, who lives in Washington, and um, and he wanted to go uh, and uh, to uh, Guantanamo Bay, where these five masterminds of 9/11 are being trialed. And these are the pre-trial hearings. And under the Geneva Convention, family members have the right to attend. So they set up a lottery where they take, you know, once a month they go down with the prosecution and the defense and 10 family members, you know, to Guantanamo Bay and for one week from Saturday to Saturday. And uh, so Stefan had won the lottery, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, and we decided not to let him go alone because of the emotional side of that. We had no interest, my wife, for sure not. And uh, so I, did, I decided to go along with him. And, um, and uh, I was more curious of what was happening. And and uh, and it was basically it was at my stage in my life, you know, when do I have a chance to be with my son for mm-hmm. eight days, one on one, so to speak, even when there were other people. This was the main motivating uh, part of my side. Mm-hmm. Well, they say it's like the biggest trial in U.S. history, maybe even the world. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on this so far, but nothing's happening. As you said, we're still in pre-trial hearings. And according to the defense lawyers, they see it for another year. 
Is that because um, the United States government uh, recently accepted the ruling that about the waterboarding and, and they admitted that, that it was a form of torture so that evidence may not be admissible? Well, they talked about it actually at the pretrial hearing, you know, about the torture mm -hmm. and in very much detail. You know, for example, they said, uh, you know, so-and-so prisoner was hung at the ceiling, you know, for 12 hours and splashed with water. So the defense wanted to know how cold was the water, how often they splashed him and was he hit and was he hit with an open hand or with a fist. So they were talked about these details. But the first trial, as you just said, was dismissed because of the torture. And uh, and so they are restarting the trial, you know, and mostly will go f for sure this year. And we've even had a judge who's been replaced in the process. He retired. Uh, the trial, yeah, the trial uh, outlasted yeah. the judge. And and also each of the five defendants has, uh, you know, a whole sort of. Well, this was gathering five lawyers, support staff. I yeah, mean, Christine, this was the interesting part. When you looked, we were sitting behind a glass wall with the ten family members, and then there were the uh, non-government officials, observers, and and uh, and six media were there, and then we had a forty-seven second delay in case some um, classified information came out and or somebody became unruly. So these, uh, when you looked at the judge in the center, there was the prosecution of 10 people on one side and then there were these five, you know, you know, um, uh, individuals sitting there in a row behind each other and the number one guy who claimed to be the leader, you know, ordered every morning beet juice to dye his beard you know, because it's a signal that he was the leader and he was the closest to Allah. And the other four were sitting right one after the other behind him. And each of them had to their right five lawyers plus support team. So you had 25 lawyers, you know, sitting there trying to defend them, which is a foregone conclusion that these five will never leave the island. They will either die there of old age or they will be prosecuted. Is that what the trial is to determine the death penalty or not? Yeah. yeah. That's what it comes down to. Do you think the, it'll really the... be done in a year? No. Well, this, they're already doing this for, uh, you know, a year plus. Yeah. You know, so this is ongoing for, the, you know, for, for So even weeks. if the trial gets going in 2020, the actual trial, they're still predicting it's going to take years because then the there'll trial. be appeals. Yeah, they will die of old age. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. But and they already have signs because one guy had a hip replacement and his wheelchair doesn't fit through a cell. So now the uh, local commander is requesting uh, fifteen million dollars to rebuild some of the uh, cells in order to, uh, you know, and you know, help the wheelchairs and make it uh, wheelchair accessible. <laughs> and so on. it's it's kind of uh, hilarious in a way. What? What does justice mean to you? You know, the interesting thing was when they brought these five, uh, you know, uh, you know, defendants in or uh, accused in, and um, uh, one MP, uh, military police officer, had him by the neck, and one on either side. Plus, there was a sergeant. So four people brought them in, and each of them had a holding cell outside the courtroom. 
So when they were brought in, they had a chain around their waist, and then they shackled them to the floor. And they, a defense had argued that they shouldn't wear anymore the prison uniform, the orange suits. You know, and so they came in there in the Arabian garb, and they brought in their prayer carpet and the Quran and whatever else. And uh, and so they, I expected that I would get some kind of emotional jolt out of it. I did not. You know, I was, they were fanatics, idiots, you know, who were bragging that what they did, you know, in mm-hmm. their country, and that's how they actually got caught because they were celebrated, you know, of being the five, uh, you know, Heroes. masterminds, yeah. you know, and uh, caught in, in Yemen and in Pakistan. And uh, so it, it was, um, what does justice mean at, at this stage? For you. I, I don't see, I, I, like I said, there's no emotional you know, justification from my side that I feel gratified if, if they're dead. I, I just think we, we have to go through the process and um, and find justice that way. From the personal satisfaction, uh, our son will never come back. Did you talk to any other family members? Well, this was the interesting there? part. Uh, normally, when we go to 9-11, the reunions or, you know, mm. memorial, I should say, uh, we are normally there. You know, Ralph had a girlfriend, uh, Linda Luzicone, which was working with him at the same desk, and she mm-hmm. also didn't make it out. And uh, so we became friends with her parents. And uh, so Stefan, our son, was always the, uh, you know, the son of ours. And at this particular meeting, there were three other people who lost their brother. And it was the first time Stefan could relate one-on-one who mm-hmm. lost a brother. One mm-hmm. actually lost a twin brother. And uh, so uh, it's, uh, it, was, it was different for Stefan, you know, in there from that sense that he, he was not the son of ours who lost a son. Mm-hmm. You know, he could relate to somebody, you know, as a brother. And... Um, those connections are important, aren't they? Yeah, we still, a matter of fact, I got an email this morning from uh, England, you know, from uh, one of the family which was there. And uh, he was actually there with his mother, you know, was, uh, you know, in the late 70s. And, uh, and, and he said to me, uh, he just finished reading my book, and then he said, I'm, uh, regards from my mom, she would never would go back to Guantanamo Bay while it was interesting in there. But uh, I think it was a bit anticlimactic in that sense of what is justice and, and do you feel anything. What do you want people to know about what's going on? Well, that these people don't get away with it, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and that we don't accept, you know, uh, any of these kind of uh, racist remarks or, or these, these uh, you know, uh, religious fanatics, you know, which become so strong in their point, uh, views, you know, and, 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 act, and act them out. And uh, so that we are aware of this, you know, and that we can kind of, uh, uh, you know, keep this in front of us. You know, uh, 9-11 is such a historic event, you know, and uh, you, you're kind of being reminded by it by looking at your watch and it's 9-11. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you kind of have a flash in there. Or, does you know, that you, happen to you? I, I see 11-11 you know, every day yeah, on the clock, yeah, but you see yeah, 9-11 yeah, I, you know, twice so a day. It's, huh? uh, these things kind of flash by. Or you walk through your house and see a picture on worst is when people ask you, do you have children? Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, we have two. But you then know, you have and, to explain. Uh, well, 
Sometimes you know, you depending do. what yeah. the situation is, I, I normally go over this, you know, and, and don't. So, you know, we've ha- seen not this particular, but comparable things through history. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll ever, as human beings, uh, get get to a point where we're so evolved that this kind of thing doesn't happen, it, that we don't act out? I don't know if we are better informed and hear more of this, you know, and we just talked about uh, this, uh, you know, uh, in, in Nairobi, you know, where this hotel was, uh, you know, uh, was mm-hmm. taken over by the terrorists. And um, ironically, my son's um, uh, girlfriend, she works, uh, you know, for the Gates Foundation, you know, and she normally stays at this hotel in Nairobi, you know, to help on things. So you have these information coming back to you. I, I think as we are better informed and also the terrorists using that information network, we will hear more about it. And unfortunately, uh, you know, there's this simmering hate and, uh, and disparity in terms of rich and poor, you know, which will just add to this. You know, I think there will be more. You wrote a book, um, a memoir that you dedicated to your son, Ralph. Right. It's called Hotel Biz. It is a memoir. It is about um, your years in the business. And, you know, just on the back, you've got quotes from Robin Leach, Christopher Plummer, Eric Braden, all the stars that you met. But you also talk about the tragedy in, in, in this book yeah. and, and, and what it meant to you. Um Tell us a little bit about your life as you, as you look back, because you yeah. certainly were the man at the Sutton Place. I have oh. many, many chefs' tables, dinners, lovely times there. These were evolutionary years for the Toronto film industry, mm-hmm. and TIFF really became what TIFF is today. Uh, and uh, TIFF used to fit into the Sutton Place for years. We, uh, we were headquarters, you know, for the actual organization. Um the book came about after 9-11. You sit down and you look back and it's saying, what is happening? Why did it happen to our son? He was a good kid, you know, and uh, a loving kid. We had, this was the best thing ha- happened in our total relationship for 34 years. We had a loving relationship in there. So my wife and I just talked about it last night. She said, uh, the good news is I live in the now and I cannot don't have to look back and saying I missed this or that. Mm-hmm. And she had a. You never want to say you have a special child, but right. you you have different bonds with your children. And um, so when I kind of came to terms with this that he is not coming back, uh, I kind of started to write things down. And then uh, the many people I met, uh, the many things happened in my life, and so on. And that's how the book came about. And uh, it is. Uh, you know, um, some people wanted to have some dirt in there, and I said, no, it's not the kind of book it is. You know, it's about my life and, and the good things in life, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and uh, so I dedicated it to son, uh, to our son, Ralph, and it starts off with uh, 9-11, where I explain, you know, this, why I wrote the book. Well, it is um, hotelbiz.com is where you can get the book, and we'll put up um, some links to it. Um, We wish you all all the best. It's been, um, I guess you could definitely say your life has been interesting over the years. Thank you very much, Kate. Thanks, Christy. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. 
to Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. <sighs> Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. <laughs> and accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now are Canadian mompreneurs and authors Megan Hadwin and Nikki Sinjarek, the women behind the Other Life Lessons Children's Book Series. They're, they're picture books, and they're gorgeous, and they deliver powerful and honest messages while addressing some difficult themes, entitlement, grief, and why mommy works. <laughs> Welcome, both of you, to the show. Now, this one, I mean, let's start here, because why mommy works. I mean, this is, it's such a great topic. How did you pick topics? Well, they're pretty anecdotal. They're based on sort of real life events that we went through while we were raising our four-year-olds together. We had babies pretty much six weeks apart. And the Why Mommy Works came from mom guilt. So we wanted to sort of have a voice for women that all of them feel when they have to leave and go back to work. So it was really written with, you know, the intent of real life events. And it was really close to us. But did you find when you went to look for something like that yourself that there wasn't anything? Exactly. Yeah. That's why we ended up creating them because when we ran into these issues, we just assumed that there were resources out there that were easy to find. And when we didn't find them, we were like, well, we have a kind of a production background. We could probably make these. And that's what we did. Well, what is your background? You come from the advertising world? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So tell us a little bit about how you morphed from one to the other. Well, we met about eight years ago at a Toronto advertising agency as a creative team. So she's the art director. I'm the writer. And we literally have been glued at the hip ever since. So in that time, we've done a lot of different things. We've worked in production. We've worked with printers. So that kind of gave us the background and the context to bring this to life. And yeah, we had our babies six weeks apart. And then on that, on that uh, maternity leave, we started talking more about how we wanted to raise them and things we wanted to teach them and how we wanted to be really honest with them. So when we couldn't find the books out there. We decided to create them. And so, and you, well, you, and you are, you are, as you said, one of you is the illustrator, one of you writes, you're yeah, the poet, because yeah. uh, it is poetry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and and these, these subjects are, are things that are sometimes hard to explain. I mean, exactly. sometimes someone dies. People are always struggling with their children, how to kind of explain mm -hmm. that or why life isn't fair. Or, or, and that's know. sort of our mission. It's, you know, creating tools, uh, one of them being books to get parents to start these honest conversations early and normalizing certain subjects at an early age to have empathy and compassion and resilience at an early age. Okay, but what about the people that would say, you know, can't we just let kids be kids? Or how young do you want them to know the realities of life? Have you got any of that kind of feedback? 
feedback? Quashing their innocence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And for the most part, actually, parents love them. And it's exactly the lessons that they're trying to teach them. I think that they, we all want kids to be kids, but they don't necessarily need to be bubble wrapped. And life is going to happen anyways. There's going to be ups and downs. So if they can start having those conversations at home first about difficult topics. It just helps create that open dialogue with their parents to talk about all different things. So so what age would you say these are aimed at? We say three to seven because of subject matter, things like grief, entitlement, working moms can go a little bit older. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Nikki has an 11 year old at home and she reads these books to him and he likes them too. Like they're books for kids, but they're good reminders for teenagers, for even adults. I mean, the book on entitlement really could for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to want to have a look at that one. <laughs> sure. Life's not fair. Yeah. Life's book not on, fair. Book yeah. on entitlement. Now, there's a donation component yeah. to the books. Tell us about that. Well, for every book purchased online or at one of our events, we donate $1 to children's mental health charities in Canada. Mm-hmm. We just wanted the books to be more than just books. We thought they could have a great impact. And especially when we're talking about things like grief or um, entitlement, things like that, that seemed like a natural fit for us. And what is the I site? Like we should tell people what the site is. So our site is otherlifelessons.com. Okay. But we also have some free downloadables that you could download as a PDF. They're like worksheets that are affiliated with the books. And then our blog is there also. Did, so what have you learned yeah. through this? Because I know that you have your own skill set, but now your parents yeah. and you're talking to psychologists and you're talking to other parents Originally, these books started as just for us and for our children. And what we realized is that so many people were facing the same things or having the same issues as as us, and they didn't know how to talk about it. Sometimes even therapists or teachers didn't have the words to mm-hmm. to talk about these things. So it's nice to meet people who immediately they see like our booth or they see our books and they're like, oh my gosh, they get it right away. They love it. And they get that it's a concept. They understand what the approach is and they're really appreciative. So I think we've learned that we're not alone. <laughs> and one of the things I said maybe you want to explore is, is I learned with my children. Never answer a question that they've asked until you fully understand why they're asking Absolutely. that question, right? Yeah. Because you, you can be there, – there are some wonderful stories that I probably can't go, <laughs> go into the air about things that they, you know, they ask me. And it's like, why do you want to know? And I'm so glad that I asked that because the little minds, they work in a completely different way yeah, it's different. than we do. So did your – how do your children react to these? Um, well, they've read them so many times now that they, they love them. And they have their their phases that they go through where they love one more than other. Like mm-hmm. where they had the Terry Fox run at school. So uh, my daughter is four and she was learning about Terry Fox for the first time. So we were reading Sometimes Someone Dies quite a bit. Right. So we usually bring them out when a subject comes up or just to, you know, we pick one for a week or one for a month to kind of deep dive into. Well, it's exciting that the other ones are coming out uh, soon. And I don't, I don't know. I just I just don't think you two are going to leave it there. I can see a whole lot more no, coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just books. That's for sure. You're answering the questions honestly. And I think that's so important because kids, um, they believe. They believe adults. And we need to be consistent in our messaging, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With for sure. And they, they believe I mean, they believe adults and they believe their parents, but when they actually see it in a book also, it kind of makes it more legit. Or if you see something on TV, well, it has to be real Mm -hmm. when it's like actually produced. So we feel that that helps that they're in books. It's like, oh, if it's in a book, then it must be true, right? So it just, it adds sort of to our case. 
All right. Well, Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in and tell us. And say the website one more time. Otherlifelessons.com. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, less tired, greater focus. There is one downside, however. Oops. Higher furniture costs. Take the Hill Street Challenge and see what you can break. Learn more at HillStreetChallenge.com. Cheers to a better you. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. We all want to be happy. And money can play an important role in helping us get more joy out of life. Joining us now is money expert, Melissa Leong, who has written a new book called Happy Go Money. And she's here to tell us how to get happier and wealthier in 2019. Seems like great goals. Yes. Well, I mean, money is just a tool to be happy, right? Isn't that what we are all trying to be is happy with our lives? And so I just want to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with readers and with Uh, listeners about what truly will make them happy. Well, I mean, people say money can't buy happiness, but I think to a large extent it can. I think money can buy happiness. It has a limit and it also depends on what you spend on and how you manage it. Fair enough. And we, we discussed the limit. So I was saying, for example, somebody who might be have have worries about financial security to have enough money not to lie in bed and think what's going to happen to me let you know whatever but i mean i think you know the difference between 10 million and a billion <laughs> well, that's, that's that's a, a lot, lot of zeros. money <laughs> that's, that's a lot of money but is that going to be the difference in happiness like I guess right. it could be if you're a philanthropist, and that's where you get your joy. Right. Actually, most of us get our joy from giving to other people, according to to science. Okay, but let's let's bring the numbers down a little. Let's cut okay. some of the zeros out. Okay. So, according to research, there was a study in uh, out of Purdue University last year that said that the magic number for life satisfaction was ninety five thousand dollars pre tax per single family household, and so once you made that amount, you were peak satisfied with your life. Is this a salary or a one-time? This is your salary. Okay. If you made between sixty and $75,000 a year, you were 
day to day, pretty happy. Mm-hmm. This is according to, I mean, large averages. Anything above that amount actually was associated with a decrease in happiness, really? which is super interesting. Yeah. Right. So that's when we start talking about, okay, once your basic needs are met, you've got shelter, you have food, you're not worried about, you know, the, the, the collections agencies calling every five minutes. Then once you get over the threshold, you start focusing on other things that maybe are not as fulfilling. So then if money doesn't equal happiness beyond a certain point, why do many of us take pleasure from <laughs> buying stuff? Because we've all heard about the, you know, shopping trips. Let's go, you know, Absolutely. shopping therapy, retail therapy. Yes. Oh, I have something to talk. Well, I have something to say about retail therapy. But you do, scientifically speaking, get a burst of dopamine in your brain when you buy something new, right? You get that new pair of shoes mm-hmm. or you get something and it's exciting. And it actually uh, activates a part in your brain that is associated with rewards and sex and all sorts of lovely, wonderful things. <laughs> but those chemicals dissipate. Okay. And then what's left is the the need, the chase to, to have that feeling again. And as human beings, we get used to what we have. Things that are new become the new normal, and then you need more. And so one of the questions that I ask in my book, as well as just when I'm, I'm doing keynotes or, or when I'm on TV talking, is think of the last three unplanned purchases that you made. How did you feel when you were about to buy them? What was the what were the emotions that precipitated that purchase? And then how did you feel afterwards? Because often people buy for therapy, for retail therapy. You're buying to alleviate pain and stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, I had a hard day at work. I just deserve this dinner because I don't want to cook. You are buying because you are keeping up with appearances, keeping up with the Joneses because human beings, we compare to each other. Uh, or sometimes you buy because you feel a sense of inadequacy you think this is what's gonna i need i need the perfect business suit to look great in the, at this job interview right you're right you're trying to buy so you feel a certain way yeah or buying household things because inside your life is chaotic and you don't feel good but at least if you're looking at something beautiful and tidy or whatever a beautiful yes. vase or a beautiful sure. something it makes you feel like okay it means something to you you've ascribed meaning to it but really Maybe. It's another thing to dust in a month. So then, I mean, you've done the research. So in terms of spending, what kind of things will make us happiest? This is according to research, according to science. There are a couple things that I, I would suggest that people spend their money on. I mean, we all have a limited amount of resources. We work hard for our money. Allocate some of those resources to experiences. They give you a greater bang for your buck. You enjoy them with people versus material goods mm-hmm. that are enjoyed alone. Mm-hmm. You also will have memories. goodwill and memories. That will last longer than, say, a pair of shoes that you wear out in two seasons, right? The second thing is time savers. According to research, people who value time over money, they are happier people. You can actually make yourself happier by valuing time. So you think, yes, I'm going to take this job because it pays more, but it comes with an hour long commute each way. So take that into account when you are, you know, driving around looking to save well, a few that's cents when we on listen gas. To the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can bring you joy. That's an experience. But if you don't like, you know, the experience of mm-hmm. driving, then you definitely have to take that into account. And it's time away from your family, relationships, spend time on boosting your relationships, right? That is what leads to lasting, more fulfilling happiness. And right now what we're doing is we buy things on our credit card and then we pay for it later. Flip Mm -hmm. it. So pay for something now. 
or save for something now and enjoy it later. Because what we like is the anticipation. We like how we feel before the trip, not how we feel after the trip. Yeah, that's funny because that's something I, I try to teach my daughters. It's like you will get more enjoyment out of this if you work for it and you save for it than if I just turn around and give it to you. It's the feeling of, of the leading mm -hmm. up to it, right? I mean, there was a study that said... Anticipation. I mean, absolutely. that's what Christmas is all about for children. Yes. And now you're an adult. You can actually pay to recreate the feeling of Christmas coming. So, And what about giving to other people? Worldwide or, surveys, whether mm -hmm. you're rich, whether you're poor, if you give to charity, if you give to other people, you will feel more satisfied with life and you feel wealthier. And so that is something to consciously put into your budgets. I think sometimes around Christmas we think, oh, uh, you know, it's the spirit of giving. I should give something. But say if you built it in throughout the year, um, that would also give you more more joy because you are you have planned, you know, planned sharing. You're more empowered because you're choosing things that actually feed you. So what are your top two financial planning tips to create maximum happiness? Maximum happiness. Okay. Num oh, can I do three? Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, quickly. We'll take three. Quickly. <laughs> the first one is a little bit of planning. You do need some planning. I'm not going to use the B word because people get freaked out when I say the word budget. Okay. But I don't want you to budget every day of your life. That Unless that makes you happy some people just love spreadsheets and budgets i'm not yeah, one no, of those either. people no. but if you do a little bit of planning look back at how you know what have mm -hmm. you been spending over the last three months allocate money to your fixed expenses your bills allocate money to future happiness your savings and then siphon off an amount that you're comfortable with every two weeks every month into a separate account associated with a debit card so you've done the planning so now you can spend guilt-free you can spend and be happy with what you spend versus all this, oh, should I buy this, should I not? If there's money in my spending account, I'll take you to lunch, ladies. Let's go, right? So there's that part. The second part is uh, I went on this journey to write this book because my husband became ill in 2014. And it taught me that you can be happy, but there's life. And it comes around and you need to bulletproof that happiness. So you have to protect it. This is where insurance comes in. We had disability insurance uh, for the time that he wasn't working. We had an emergency fund to pay for treatment. Uh, and these are the things that you, are, they're not fun to think about. Nobody likes to think about bad things happening, but you'll feel peace of mind to know mm -hmm. that you've got some preparation in place, some money set aside for what ifs. And lastly, debt. Tackle your debt. There is no greater happiness killer than debt. Out mm -hmm. of 56 of life's most stressful events, getting into debt beyond means of repayment ranks number five. So if you can tackle your debt, if you can um, uh, try to avoid in 2009 taking on more consumer debt, I promise you, you'll be happier. Yes, pay off your credit card the moment <laughs> the bill arrives. We've, we've heard that. So, so tell us what people will learn and experience if they get a copy of Happy Go Money. So Happy Go Money is, I, I have heard, such lovely, lovely people have said, <laughs> that, it's, that it's, um, it's a conversation with your best friend. Okay. So it's me being frank and honest about my own experiences and my own mistakes and things that I've learned. I am a journalist by trade, and so it is full of... Uh, what I think is fascinating research that will back up why we do the things we do and what we could do differently to be most fulfilled. I just want people to be, yes, I want people to be happier, but I want people to reevaluate their relationship with money. I think we have a negative relationship with mm. our money and we need to take a pause and talk about it a little bit 
and mm-hmm. have you look at yourself and ask yourself questions. So every chapter ends with actionable tidbits that you can do right away, as well as discussion points that you can have with yourself and with your peers, your friends, because as women, especially, we need to talk more about money. Where do people get a copy? How do they get a copy? Anywhere that you can buy books. You've got chapters, you've got Amazon. It's uh, available at all booksellers in uh, North America and the UK. And, and wow. your family is growing, so you will be preparing in all <gasps> yes. kinds of ways. I uh, I am about to give birth next month. So my book baby came first. <laughs> my real baby's coming now. Um, and so I am, uh, I'm happy about the things that I'm anticipating. That's excellent. Thank you so much. Congratulations for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. I see you taking up my life, babe. Trying to make what you are listening to is Fallout, the new single by Toronto pop singer-songwriter Kiara Young, who joins us in studio now. Welcome to What She Said. Hello. <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> now, that song has already gained more than 35,000 streams on Spotify. Congrats. Thank you so much. (laughs) Tell us about the inspiration behind it. Um, It's a lot of inspiration. Um, Followed is a very like dear song to me um you know a lot of inspiration for any song that i write is from like kind of like my everyday life um but fallout is more of like a fallout of a relationship that i had um and kind of like coming out of that fallout and and coming out as a stronger person sort of thing so that's a very like short version of like what the song is actually about but yeah (laughs) so we understand it was your uncle Josh, an mm-hmm. independent musician and a busker who took you under his wing and ignited that musical spark in you? Yes, yeah. So ever since I was a kid, um, you know, we would kind of like be singing for like family functions and stuff. And then, you know, he was like, oh, like you can actually sing. Like, and I was like six, you know what I mean? Mm. So then, you know, he started to teach me guitar slowly. And, and then we started like playing gigs together and playing in church basements and that sort of thing. And he really just taught me so much that I I know today about music mm-hmm. and um, 
yeah, he was just such an inspiration for me big time growing up, you know, like he was my best friend. Like anytime I learned a new chord, I'd be like, oh, I can't wait to show Josh. You know, it was it was one of those. It was a really special relationship for sure. And what about the journey as a solo career? Like for myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were a session musician with, I mean, you performed with Sean Desmond and other things. So why, yeah, why go solo? Well, so I was actually solo before Sean Desmond. Um, And, you know, I I did a self-released EP and then Mm -hmm. I kind of got picked up by the Sean Desmond camp. um, And it was just such a cool experience. You know, I got to play arenas all over Canada um, and it was just so, so cool. Um, And then kind of after that, I realized... After playing the ACC, I was like, you know what? I I need this for myself, you know? Like, I, I need to get here on my own. Um, so, yeah, like, that's that's been a big uh, kind of, like, motivational factor for me going solo. And it's also, you know, I get to be, like, in, in control of my own, like, creativity and, and, and all that, so. So where can people find you on social? So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, all of the socials, I'm there. Okay, what's the handle? Uh, it's at Kiara Young. At Kiara Young. Yes. Your actual name. You're That's, so lucky yeah. you got that. I know. Awesome. Well, I have such an obscure name. I feel like it was pretty easy. I've also like been on it since like day one. So. <laughs> well, thank you uh, all for joining us today. That is it for what she said. Singing us out now in our live studio sessions. Here is Kiara Young performing Fallout. Watch me fall out. You watch me make a fool of myself. Took me for granted. I didn't stand a chance for your love. When you come around, come around, come around. I see you, I see you taking on my life, babe. Trying to make this right, babe. On the girls, on the girls, on the girls. I see him, I see him blowing up your phone when we try to be alone, babe. You don't need me anymore. Tangled my heart like you're in control. I get so lost with you by my side. Switching places when our worlds collide over and over. You took a piece of what I had, had to give. I was suspended off all the words you said that you now forget when you come around, come around, come around. I see you, I see explosions in the sky, they reflecting in your eyes. Got other girls, other girls, other girls. I see them, I see them hanging off your charm. Got them wrapped around your arms, babe. You don't need me anymore. Tangled my heart like you're in control. I get so lost with you by my side. Switching places when our worlds collide So won't you tell me why all the stars fell down Won't you tell me why you keep on pushing me That you're pushing me, you're pushing me out Kills me when you say you don't need me anymore Tangle my heart like you're in 
control I get so lost with you by my side Switching places when our worlds collide When our worlds collide Switching places when our worlds collide I'm Andrea Askowitz And I'm Allison Langer And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.